Um, as Dave set up earlier, talking about our, in our series of loving one another and looking at what it means to love one another. Uh, I'm married to the lovely Lorna, and a little while ago, she banned me from saying, I love you. Right. I was very surprised. I didn't realize things had got so bad between us. She said, you can't say I love you anymore. What? Why not? She said, well, the thing is, you just say it all the time to me. I love you. Love you, babe. Love you, honey hoops. Love you, Lorna Lops. There's others, but I'll stick with those. And she's like, I don't want you to say that anymore. It doesn't mean anything. Why would you mean it doesn't mean anything? It means a lot to me. That's why I say it. I actually love you. And she's like, well, you can say you love me, but you have to say why. And I'm like, oh, that is easy. Well, you're gorgeous. And at that, that point said, you can't mention my body or physical attributes. If you're going to say you love me, say it properly. That got a bit harder, actually. I then had to start thinking of some stuff. Um, you're amazing wife and amazing... You know, it took me a little while to get my groove. But she was, she was picking me up that I would just say I love her a lot. And I thought that was a nice thing to do, but I still think it is, to be honest. But she said it's lost its meaning. You're just saying it. I love you, love you, love you. It doesn't mean anything. Is that what it's become with the word love? Love itself, has it just become cheap? Love is a commodity we're so used to, we're around all the time, that in some ways have we almost devalued it? Has it just become like a feeling, an emotion? Maybe something a bit superficial. Maybe we love things until we don't. Maybe we love people and, well, until we don't. And then we find something else to love until we don't love that. And Actually, in talking about love tonight, we're really raising the question, what does it mean to love? What does Jesus call us to? And what is the quality of love that Jesus is asking for us? In, in English, there's only one word. It's love. I can say, I love Lorna, my wife, but I can also say, I love fish and chips. I love wearing my slippers. I love my family. Love, it's, it's this very broad term of just loving generally. And it can sometimes, I don't know, miss the point. Tonight, I'm going to be talking to you about what it means to love in the way that Jesus loves us. To be people who love deeply and in the way of Jesus. So in the Bible, in the New Testament, where we have the accounts of Jesus, the Gospels, and the other letters to the early church, it's all written in the language of Greek. And in Greek, there's actually lots of words that describe what love is. It's not just one word, love. There's all sorts of different words. There's philia. And that's a love that describes sort of friendship, a friendship between people. There's storge, which is about love as in a family. And sometimes we hear about that. It's used there. Then there's the, the word eros, which is to do with passion and sexy love. Yeah, that's the whole eros department. And then there's another word, agape. This is love that is deep and costly and sacrificial love. Not just a kind of cheap, fluttery emotion, but something that is deeply sacrificial. And so I want to say love isn't cheap, it's deep. God is deep. In fact, the Bible describes God as love. And there's no one deeper than God. Even trying to touch on it on some of the songs we are singing, God is furious, as passionate, as loving, as sacrificial. There's, there's a depth to the love of God that's bigger than all of us can imagine. We're just glimpsing, just trying to get hold of more of it. 
And actually, that's, the, that's where we're going. We want to, again, be reminded of what it means to love deeply. I personally think I want to live my life as well as I can. And I think what that means is how much can I love? How deeply can I love people? Not what can I get or what's going to be good for me, but how deeply can I love other people with the time that I have to do it? And I think that's a life well lived. So this week I went away for a couple of days and along with my lovely Lorna, I've got three boys. They're all in junior school and I did the dad's going away for a couple of days I need to have a chat with the boys. So I got them together and they're a bit fidgety and not paying attention. I'm like, guys, I've got something important to tell you. And they focused in. I said, right, I've got two things. Going away, I'm not going to see you for a couple of days. So here's the thing. First one, be nice to each other. And they're all like already rolling their eyes like, yes, dad. Like, now, honestly, be nice to each other, okay? And I, okay. And the second thing is even more important, okay? Do what mum says. Do what mum says. Yes, dad. Are you gonna, do you promise? Do you promise to do what mum says? Yeah, I promise. So there I go. I wasn't feeling confident, to be honest, about what may occur. But one of the reasons I wanted to say that was, well, two reasons. One is they're not very good at being nice to each other. And the second reason, they're very good at not doing what mum says. It's the kind of Achilles heel in our families where they just, it just not, you know, it just takes some time. They love each other deeply. Don't get me wrong. But be nice to each other and do what mum says. That was my parting words when I left. And um, yeah, I wasn't hugely confident. We're going to read a little Bible passage in John 13 with Jesus and he's just about to leave his disciples and he's having some parting words with them and this is a little parting word that he wants to share to his disciples they're getting together we read it in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 and Jesus says this to his disciples all gathered together guys a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Easy. Not very much, just love one another. That's all right. Why did Jesus say this to his disciples? This is his group that he's been with for sort of three years, the inner circle with Jesus, 12 of them. Why do you think Jesus would say something like that? Well, maybe a bit similar to why I had to say that to my boys before I was going to leave. Because they weren't very good at loving each other. That's the whole thing. Jesus has been there sorting out the squabbling and the arguments and the petty divisions and who's going to be greatest and someone stealing the money and all the things, the rivalries, the factions, no one getting on. And Jesus is there sorting it out, dealing with things over the last three years. But he knows he's going to be going. He's going to be dying on the cross. And then after that, he'll be at some point going back to heaven. He knows he's going to be leaving them. What's his parting words? Guys, I'm commanding you, not making it optional. I'm putting this on you. Love one another. How? Actually, not just general, but how I've loved you. You've seen how I've loved you. You have to copy me. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. And actually, there's a good thing about it. The result is that if you do that, people will see what's going on here. And what will they do? They'll see that you're a follower of me. That's what he was saying. He was saying, making a point. That actually, people see, you'll see that you're my disciples. That's what he said. But this is the tricky bit. He puts an if, a conditional. If you love each other. Oh, so it's on them. If you do. What happens if they don't? Then the world won't see. 
that they're his disciples. That's a big one to put there. And what kind of love is it? The love in the Greek of this passage, it's the agape love, the deep, sacrificial, serving, costly love. In fact, the person who wrote John 13, the Apostle John, one there in the group, goes on to write some of the letters in the New Testament. And he talks about that to the early churches. We read about it in 1 John, in one of his letters, chapters 3 and 4. He keeps saying, love one another. Hey guys, don't forget, love one another. Because he sees it again and again. It's so important that you love one another. Why? So we can demonstrate that we love Jesus. So I want to explain to you why that's important to us, why that as a community of followers of Jesus, and maybe for you tonight you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're with us and you're kind of exploring and listening in. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you being with us here and hope you can hear something of our our message, the good news of what it means to do life and to love as Jesus loves. The church, the community of followers of Jesus is meant to be a witness That's the first thing. We're meant to witness to who Jesus is. It's not some private little club that we keep to ourselves, some special little belief system that we've figured out but no one else has. Actually, we want to share that. In fact, the church is to witness the reality of what we call the kingdom of God, like heaven, the, the reality of God actually being tangible here on earth. And that reason it's supposed to be different from the world we're supposed to kind of tick and work differently because we're orientating around Jesus we're we're doing life differently being a Christian isn't about coming to church on a Sunday it's about a 24-7 lifestyle of loving Jesus and making Jesus Lord of our lives we do that together but also individually so whereas the world might operate on things of what's best for you what's best for your own interests and things like that. The church would be saying, well, what's in the interest of being conformed into the likeness of Christ? The way of the world, I'm going to be mentioning that a number of times. I'm using it as a very broad brushstroke. So forgive me that there's no sort of nuance there. This idea of the world is in, well, you know, how the world operates. There seems to be greed and getting one over people and, and not seem to think of your neighbors. And there's a lot of that that seems to go around. And the church should have a tangibly different flavor and experience of community Christianity itself doesn't have an exclusive claim on love actually anyone can love and in fact the world is full of incredibly loving people we don't have exclusive rights to that but we do have exclusive rights to loving in the power of the spirit in the power of Jesus you don't get that anywhere else you only get that in the church and through his body So this Christianity is a thing to be lived out, not just believed. It's something to take hold of. And God himself is a relational God, and we're relational people. In fact, every human is made in the image of God. Again, whether a Christian or not, there's a relational wiring in all of us. And for that reason, love is the currency of relationships. That's what works. That's what flows between. It's hardwired in us, whether we like it or not. Love is the thing that we need, and love is the thing that we can give. And that is the basis of how relationships work and function, whether they're healthy or whether they're terrible, whether you've received a lot of love or have never been loved. The reality is love is the thing that every human needs. But how we love God as Christians and followers of Jesus And how we love people are not two separate things. The great commandment that Jesus gave was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. 
the two are incredibly linked. We can't have this private religious thing with God with having nothing to do with our neighbor and how we're relating to others. Yet lots of us do. Lots of us somehow think that our religious beliefs and how we understand the world and our devotions have nothing to do with the behavior we enact to others. I want to pray that there would be a conviction of the Spirit tonight. If any of you here tonight are living and cut off from the reality of, oh, I'm worshiping God and I'm singing songs, if there's not something right, if there's something not okay with your neighbor, then you need to put that right. Because God says, actually, they're two are completely linked. In fact, they're like a litmus test. How you love people is a display of how you love God. The two go together. It actually shows the level of faith in Galatians 5. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What faith do you have? Well, let's see you how you love people. That will show you what you believe and how you love. And when we love people... We impart God's love to others. The very act of being in relationship with others is a vehicle that God uses to bring his blessing into other people's lives. You know that. And love is supposed to be tangible. It's not just an idea. It's a thing that's real and experienced. Not only expressed, but received. So church is witnessing to this God, this relational God, that when people come in our midst, join our community, are with us, they experience something tangibly different. And church is also meant to be missional. And what I mean by that is always outward facing. We're not looking to one another, although we care for one another, but we're always aware of the world out there. How do we demonstrate this? Do we just do big services, the lights, the exciting songs? No, as Dave said, no, the, the missional thing, Jesus said it, love one another. Don't trade that for anything. That should be the hallmark, the quality, the standard, the thing that shines brightly, the thing that's so tangible that you can't miss it, the thing like, what is it with you guys when people come in? You lot are weird. You genuinely love each other. That isn't how the world works. It's not. Can we say that about ourselves? Are we there yet? I hope by God's grace we're deepening in that journey. So no one's saying that we shouldn't be loving. No one has a problem with that. In fact, friends that I would talk with, maybe we've been down the pub for an evening, or all sorts of people often would come their late night conversations about life and the meaning of everything. And you know, we just got to love each other, innit, man? Yeah, totally just like love everyone. Yeah, I love you, man. I love you too. Yeah. If just if we're just peace and love, everyone just loved each other a bit more. And no one's disagreeing with that, right? I mean, we all think that's a good idea. Let's just love each other a bit more. There's just like one tiny, teeny, eeny, weeny problem with that. I spoke to my friend Ian this week, and I told him what I was speaking on. And he said, oh, that's easy. Uh, the only problem is with love that it's painful. I was like, what? What do you mean it's painful? Oh, yeah, it's just really painful to love people. So I'm checking my notes. I'm like, I, I didn't make a note of that anywhere. I thought, you know, the love thing was it was all good in the hood and happy and fun and nice and we all had a good time, right? Because we love each other. And he was like, oh, no, it's really painful loving people. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, actually, you're probably onto something there, Ian, being wise and knowing a lot about life. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so love one another. How did Jesus love people? Look at his life. In fact, he says many times, if you're going to follow me, lay down your life. 
Jesus himself did. It was costly. It was sacrificial. He was misunderstood. He was derided by people. He was shunned. Actually, Jesus shows this not very pleasant way of doing life. That itself is full of life as he's loving deeply. There's lots of great passages about love in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 often gets wheeled out in weddings. Love is patient, kind, does not envy or boast. It's not proud, not self-seeking, rejoices in the truth, protects, hopes, perseveres. There's loads of great stuff and we could go on for ages about it. But I want to read to you a passage from Colossians chapter 3. And this is a letter that's being written to the church in Colossae. And again, it's just an encouragement to the people of this church, small church, to say, love one another. And just so this next little bit, I want to just drill down really practically on what it means to love one another. So you could hear this talk, we could stop now, and you'd all agree it was incredible. But no, I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. I want to earth this in what this means for you to live this out and walk this out. So let's just read Colossians 3 together. So as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I'm just going to take a moment on each of the key things that is mentioned, what does it mean for us to live this out and work this out? So the first one is compassion. Again, this is one of the qualities that we must exhibit as a, a community pursuing Christ. Compassion. Why do we need it? Actually, for those in need, for those in pain, for those who are vulnerable, for those who are hurting. Not just in our church community, but in our world. We see the life of Jesus was moved many times with compassion. And he would go towards people to bring healing, to bring comfort, to bring salvation. And so for us as a church, it really is our heart for the poor, for those in that position, that we must carry that. It's not an optional extra, it's something that we carry to be people of compassion. Whereas the world will often be hard-hearted. Uh, insulated and isolated from the needs of the world, not, especially in our culture, not wanting to know about it, not wanting to be bothered. Not my problem. Get the politicians to sort it out. And so for each of these, I want to offer a, a, an action, a movement, that I think identifies what this means. So from compassion, it is moving towards those in need. We are people that move towards need when we see it whether in one another or in the world, that we, we as people of compassion move towards. We walk in the direction where there's need. The second one is kindness. This is a picture of Van Gogh's interpretation of the Good Samaritan. As the Good Samaritan is lifting up the person on the donkey. We are to lift people up who have failed Kindness is for people who've failed and failed again. And for the church, it's our privilege to show mercy. Kindness is about showing mercy to those in need. In 1 Peter 2 verse 10, it says, 
Once you weren't a people, but now you are. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have. We as mercy receivers are now mercy givers. The quality of our life is that we show mercy to those in need. Whereas the world shows judgment, disapproving. Ah, well, they deserve what they get. Let me give you an example. Boris Johnson, he's had a rough old week. Now, whatever you think about Boris Johnson, politically or anything else, I can assure you that man needs kindness because he has a soul and he's been hammered. I mean, would you endure what he went through even this week? Now, some of you might think, yeah, but I don't like him. And you're judging him. Do you see him as God sees him? Dave spoke at the start of this series about judgment. Often talk about closing the gap, but how do you see people? Is that someone who needs kindness? Sure is. But it's all right, because there's lots of other people who need kindness. We're quick to judge, but in this, our community of Jesus followers, we, we see kindness and mercy. It's where it goes. We lift people up where they've failed and where they've failed again. The next one is Humility. We stand face to face with people. This idea of being on the level. Humility is so important because it means we see ourselves as we truly are. It's about self-awareness. Some of us really need to grow in that because we think we're better than we are and we're not. Or we think we're loads worse than we really are. The good news is this, you are loads better than you think you are. But also you're loads worse than you think you are. Both are true. In fact, all of us in following Jesus are sinners in need of God's grace. Not just once, but again and again and again. You can walk in humility when you realize how much you need God and how much you need people and how much you need help. Neither standing over people or even standing under people, but we stand face to face. It's on a level place. And as a church community, we want to walk in humility with one another. Where no one is above us or below us, but we are all in that same place. And so we look face to face with one another. And for those coming into the church, again, we see them who they truly are. As someone in the need of God's grace, just as we are. The world will try and keep up appearances, try and project an image, whether it's social media or everything else. It's fascinating the little spate of BBC documentaries of celebrities kind of coming clean with a mental health issue or an addiction or a struggle, as if it's a great revelation that people actually have those things. You're like, yeah, welcome to the real world, like we all do all the time. It's just like, but brilliant that they're vulnerable and can show that. But it's like, of course, we're all in need of God's grace. And help. We stand face to face with people. The fourth one on that list from Colossians is gentleness. We need gentleness because people are wounded and hurt in this world, and Jesus knows it. And gentleness is not actually a weakness, you need to be powerful to be gentle. To be meek is you wouldn't say anything or do anything or anything else. But gentleness is a gift of the Spirit towards people who need gentleness. Why do you need to be gentle? Because people are hurt. 
and hurting. And so we as a church, we want to understand the place of vulnerability and need and not shy away from it, but actually we want to honor it, I think, in a really important and special way. Whenever I've heard someone share vulnerably around struggles in their life, around mental health, around addiction or anything, to go there publicly, it's actually something that's greatly honored and that we really appreciate in this community. And in doing so, we, we want to recognize there's a need for gentleness. The world can work the other way. You want to just keep up appearances again or be powerful and dominate and get your way by just bullying people, being louder, shouting louder, or just invading a country and using weapons. But that's not the way of Jesus and never will be. So for us, as we want to be gentle, the posture is we want to embrace the hurting. We want to put an arm around someone or maybe just the faintest of touches that's gentle, not powerful, but ministering something of the gentleness of Christ. The next one is patience. As a parent, this has been the hardest lesson for me and continues to be. And, you know, I thought I was a nice guy basically until I got married. I did the wholeness course. And then when I had kids, oh, my gosh. We need to be patient with people. Why is this so important? Because you're dealing with immaturity. You're dealing with people who haven't grown up yet. And to be patient literally means to stand in the same place and stay with them there. Rather than wishing they were a lot further along, rather than hoping that they would just get on with it and sort everything out. Patience is the quality where we stand with people where they actually are, rather than where we want them to be. It's about accompanying, it's about loyalty, faithfulness. Whereas the world can often work the other way, that we're instant, we want things instantly, results instantly, and we want to move on if we can't be bothered to wait. Things become disposable, not just coffee cups, but people, because there's a lack of patience. And so our posture is that we stand with people on a journey of trying to get hold of what it means to love Jesus and know Jesus more. Next one is bearing with each other. I love this picture taken of people arm in arm protesting at Selma, but it's the arm-in-armness that I love. We walk arm-in-arm with people, and we walk slowly. Why do we need to bear with each other? Because we all face seasons of life that are incredibly painful, trials and tests, that even on our own we might not be able to bear. We need people holding us up and walking with us. We need to walk with one another Actually, we need to walk at the pace of the slowest. And as a community, we get around people when maybe they can't stand themselves and we walk arm in arm. We bear with each other. Again, the world has little time for this. When faults or struggles appear in relationships, do we bear with each other? Not always. Now, again, I, I don't want to paint it all gloom and doom. There's amazing, lovely, wonderful deep, incredible humans who aren't Christians who do all this stuff. So uh, please hear me. I'm just painting this picture, but I am calling us as a church community into more of what God is asking for us. We bear with each other. And finally, forgive. 
This is a picture of the stoning of Stephen. If you see his hand, this hand that's released, releasing forgiveness on those that are killing him. The posture of release of forgiveness. Where you've been hurt, where you've been wounded, where you've been sinned against and where you've been wronged. We as a church community don't have the option not to forgive. I've been aware of people who've left this church because they've not wanted to forgive someone and don't believe they have a problem and have left. I'm really sorry if that's you tonight, but if something's not okay in this church community with one another, you have to forgive as the Lord Jesus forgave you. And it's painful and hard, and we all know it. But we want to stand with you and ask for grace on your life to be able to forgive. Because in doing so, it honors Jesus. And we as a church are a community of restoration and reconciliation. It's our job to witness to the reality of God's forgiveness for the world within our community. That's what we do. That's what we witness to. Our God is a forgiving God who's forgiven us in Christ Jesus and we forgive others. Where again the world so quickly withdraws where there's pain or conflict or rejects people and moves on. We open our hands to release forgiveness. But we also need to kneel to take the posture to receive and ask for forgiveness. It's as much of a a strength of character to ask people to forgive you where you've wronged. And so I think just these seven things that I've named before you, just in this Colossians passage, you can read it again anytime. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, forgive one another. Are just some of the hallmarks of what it means to love in the spirit of Jesus. And it says at the end of that passage, at the end of it all, put on love, clothe yourself in love that binds it all together. You see, you might be thinking that I've been sharing this list of all these things for you to do more of. Be kinder. Be gentler. No, I'm saying this because you need all of these things. You're the ones that need gentleness. You're the one that needs to know kindness. All of these things are for you to receive from one another. Because we're all in need of these things. Being lifted up. People walking arm in arm with you. People asking for your forgiveness. These are for you. And actually, once you've tasted them, it's then a lot easier to give them to others. So yeah, don't just think it's another Christian to-do list. This is a Christian, get hold of this list. But actually, as we live these things out, I believe that's what we honor Jesus with. That as people see these things and feel them and and experience them, they'd say, wow, this God of yours is real. You really are following Jesus. Costly, deep, painful, sacrificial love. I'm just going to take a moment to pray with you. And I'm just going to have a little pause as well, just as I've jabbered away. Maybe to ask yourself, is there a thing that I've shared tonight that is just going to settle on you? Maybe something off that list. Oh, I really need that. Or something that you felt provoked by. So I'm just going to pray and offer just a moment of silence. And then 
going to let Dave and Rebecca lead us just for the rest of our time together. Jesus, we thank you that you, your commands bring life. And as you command us to love, it's because you want us to be alive. And I want to pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and rest on us. And anything that I've spoken of that was it's kind of on your agenda for each person here, would you just make that known to them now? So I'm just going to offer this silence just as we um, just take a pause before we move on. drinking great gulps of living water, great streams of mercy on a dry, thirsty land, water comes to refresh and heal, and on a dry, thirsty soul that needs loving, the living water of the Spirit comes. And that little message in tongues, I feel the Spirit says to you as an interpretation of that. In that deep place of loneliness, My living water comes to you. My water flows to the lowest place. And at your lowest, I reach you there. At your lowest place, I reach you. And my mercy is for you. It's new every morning. I keep no record of wrongs. My mercy is for you. And I, I, I don't know whether those words or Nigel's words have just conveyed how much God loves you. But trust me, it's more than you think. And uh, it is absolutely more. He is um, he's the lover of our souls. And as we respond to him tonight, um, God wants to get us into his economy. The whole kingdom economy is one where, where, where love flows, you know. And, and so we, we give it, we receive it, we receive it, we give it. And um, if, if you're not in that economy yet, tonight you can step into it. And we want, as we go back into worship, for you just maybe to put your hands up to God and say, yeah, I believe you. Help my unbelief. You maybe you, you want to come out here and let us hug you. Because I think some people need a hug tonight. You know, Jesus was always touching people who were felt untouchable, like a leper. He touched the untouchable places like the, 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 the dirty, smelly feet and wash them. He's just a great lover. That's what I think he wants to, sh- to say, say to us. What do you think? Um, I have a feeling that for some people listening to that, you've maybe, it's been quite hard. Actually, worship has been quite hard because you've maybe experienced everything that love should not be. And actually, as Jay was saying, really need to know how much God loves you, that he is, he's all of those things in 1 Corinthians. He is patient. He is kind. He is um, 
you know, he, does, he isn't easily angered. And actually, if you need to experience that and really know that, we would love to pray for you. And perhaps also you were very challenged by what Nigel said in terms of how we should be reflecting love to other people. And you went, flip, listen to that list. I have not been doing a good job of that. I thought that. And actually maybe, you know, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. So maybe you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit again tonight. And you'd like us to bless you and bless what God has uh, started. Um, So if that's you, we'd also love to pray for you. In fact, ministry team, it'd be great as we go into worship, if you could come to the front and, you know, if you are responding to any of those things or anything at all, we would love to pray for you. For sure. And, you know, we talk about the Empowered Course and Signs and Wonders and Healings. Honestly, we need to be empowered to love the most. That's the biggest miracle of all, really. And the Holy Spirit's great at doing that. My own experience of being filled with the Spirit is it makes me want to love people, even people I've been a bit knocked with. So let's, come and, let's get filled up. Let's stand. And, and um, as we've welcomed the Spirit here, we say again, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. For those of us who are dry and thirsty, we stand before you with our hands out, ready to receive the living water. For those of us who need to have more power to, to, to get into that economy of the kingdom, yeah, we want to be where you are. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And we welcome you to come and get some prayer. We say, don't, don't feel shy, don't um, hang about. Come and let us pray with you if you feel that that would be a blessing for you tonight.